Pastor Xavier Reese with a reminder that worship is to be holy and acceptable to God. Our worship is to be in spirit and in truth according to the words of Jesus as he spoke to the woman of Samaria in John 4.24. God is not interested in service that is not in full obedience to God. You walk by faith, not by sight. All right? And you worship according to Scripture. Nothing beyond Scripture. Nothing added to Scripture. Very important. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. David knew it was important to bring the Ark of the Lord into the center of Israel's life. He wanted all Israel to be excited about the presence and glory of God. However, the warning of 2 Samuel chapter 6 is that we're often tempted to judge a worship experience by how it makes us feel. David quickly realized, though, the important simple truth about worship is that it's all about pleasing God. And coming up, Pastor Xavier illustrates how essential it is that we turn to God's Word to know how He wants to be worshipped. Let's listen. Notice here, the concern of the day was to retrieve the ark of God to the capital of the nation, Jerusalem, the first two verses. This is no small thing. Plus also, they had to go retrieve it, and the Philistines are still around. This is an incredible display of David being king. And the gathering is said to be from Shior in Egypt as far as the endurance of Hamath over the farthest part of the north to Egypt. So it encompassed like, everybody involved, leaders, everybody. Now, the reason for seeking the ark is not given to us here, but in Chronicles 13.3 it is. It was that it had not been sought by the people for a long time since the days of Saul. The ark, remember, was at Bethel and Shechem and Shiloh during the period of Judges. It was there at Shiloh and in 1 Samuel 4, remember that the Philistines took the ark and God smote the people there for looking into it and they called the inhabitants of um, Kirhath Jerim to come and fetch it in 1 Samuel 6. And the ark then abode in Kirhath Jerim in the house of Abinadab under his son Eliezer for 20 years in 1 Samuel 7 2. Now, look at verse 3 and 5. The concern of David was that it would be the expression of his worship. Don't miss it. They put the ark in a new cart. This was after the manner of the Philistines, not God's way. He wants things done according to his word first. We're going to see this. They brought it out of the house of Abinadab. And inside were the two tables of stone written with the finger of God. The law by which man was to live life and practice. There was a rod of Aaron, the authority to approach God. Only one tribe, only one person, the high priest and Levite. No one else. There was a pot of manna, God's provisions, miraculously through the wilderness, his faithfulness. And these two men driving the car were Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab. Now, there is no evidence that they were Levites. They had no business to be involved. First thing, okay? On a cart, like the Philistines. Bad. What are these guys doing? They're not priests. Bad. And their sincerity and goodness did not justify their disobedience to the word of God. David desired to worship before the Lord. He was sincere. But his carelessness towards God comes. 
Notice 6 and 7, the Lord became angry. The cart came to Nacon's threshing floor, and Uzzah put out his hand to the ark, and he held on to it, and the oxen were stumbling. The ark of God was holy. Every Israelite knew that. They knew their history. The ark represented the testimony of God and the presence of God at times. The anger of the Lord then was aroused, notice, against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his heir, and he died there by the ark. The record is clear. Uzzah was at fault. He ignored godly fear as to how to deal with the ark. The priests were the only ones who could touch the ark, as you know them. David was afraid of the Lord that day. Notice David first became angry. And now, though he was mad because he struck Uzzah, and he thought he was doing good and right, David now is afraid of the Lord. Probably as a reflection of his presumptuousness, all of a sudden he starts thinking, wow, there's a way to do it, right way to do it. I shouldn't transport it this way. And all of a sudden it hit him. You ever been there? <laughs> Remember, it's been 60 to 70 some years. Look at nine. David then, we are told, questioned himself how the ark might come to him. So he's thinking. David would not move the ark to the city of David, verse 10 tells us. He put it aside, the house of Obadidim, the Gittite. He had to go back to the drawing board. Obadidim was a Levite. First Chronicles 15, 18, and many other portions give us that. The house of Obadidim was blessed for three months as the ark remained there. Now David's looking. I took it. I'm the king. Uzzah got killed. Obadidim's getting blessed. And he's trying to, he, he needs to connect the dots. The reasons for the outbreak against Uzzah are very, very clear. There was a manner by which God had prescribed for the ark to be transported. It was not on a new card the way the pagan Philistines did it in 1 Samuel 6. We have to be careful we don't imitate the world. We live in the world, but not of the world. We're here, and we can use the things of the world. Nothing wrong with that, but we have to be careful how we do these things. After Aaron's sons covered all the furnishings, the Kohathites were to come in, Exodus 25, 14-15 tells us, and then they would carry the ark on their shoulders. Kohathites were the only ones that didn't receive wagons in Numbers 7, 9, and 1 Chronicles 20, verse 4. They were cared to carry the ark. They didn't have wagons. The other guys did for the curtains and everything else. The ark had rings, as you know. They put poles through, and you carried them on your shoulders, four people. When they went across Jordan, the priests were the first in the river at flood season, and they were the last out, and they stood in the middle, okay? They carried the ark around Jericho also. Now, David in 1 Chronicles 15, 13, it says this. David told Zadok and Abiathar, the priest, for because you did not do it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us because we did not consult him about the proper order. Boom, the light came on. So Chronicles is a good parallel. You get the extra information. You understand? It's the priestly record. Now look at, there was clear warning to anyone who touches the ark at the penalty of death through their history. In 1 Samuel 5 and 6, the Philistines were struck with plagues. God has struck the men of Beth Shemesh for looking in the ark in 1 Samuel 6, 19 when it came back. God has struck Uzzah now. 
And they had all that history, and they ignored it. This was David's mistake, being careless about the things of God, though sincere, but wrong. You know, it's like this young man, and there was a sheriff in the country, you know, and he just was up under an oak tree, and he could see if people ran the stop sign, and he'd be parked where they can't see him. And, and so this young guy's coming through, and he's going down, and he looks to the right, looks like nothing coming. So he, rather than stopping, he just slows down and keeps going. So the old sheriff, you know, he puts siren on, chases him, pulls him over, and the guy walks out and says, Boy, know what you did wrong? He goes, No, officer. He says, You didn't stop at the stop sign. He says, Officer, I could see to the right, I could see to the left. There's no traffic. I'm the only one on the road. What does it matter if I stop or just slow down? At that point, the sheriff proceeded to grab him in a headlock, grab his baton, and began to beat his head repeatedly. He says, now, do you want me to slow down or stop? <laughs> it does make a difference. We need to present our body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to him, which is our reasonable service. To not be fashioned in the world, but be transformed by the renewal of our mind to prove what is that good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. Every day. I must make every endeavor to seek God for my life. To worship and serve him properly. Acts 17, 11. Be a good Berean. Examine to find out those things are so. The word of God. All that we do for God must not only be from the heart, but guided by his word. For he honors his word above his name. Psalm 138, 2. And you know what he thinks about his name. You may say, well, it's not right of God doing this. He is only trying to keep the ark from falling down. Uzzah was an Israelite. He was responsible to know, just as you are responsible for everything in the vehicle code if you have a license, the policeman will accept no excuses. You're responsible. Our worship is to be in spirit and in truth according to the words of Jesus as he spoke to the woman of Samaria in John 4.24. God is not interested in service that is not in full obedience to God. And we have to be careful because we're clever sinners. Samuel told Saul, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken to the fat of rams. 1 Samuel 15, 22. And Saul was rejected. He kept hardening his heart, doing his thing. Thought he was the exception. Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, likewise were prepared by God and all the sacrifices, all the ritual, all the instructions. And they're going to offer the first sacrifice and they eat a little, they drink a little wine. And they offer strange fire, and God consumes them. And he tells Moses, when the priests offer, you make sure they don't drink. And to make sure that they knew it was God, he consumed them with fire, but their clothes did not burn. We have Ananias and Sapphira, who were struck by God also in Acts 5, because they gave the pretense that they gave everything to the church when they did not. Now, any pastor who tells you to give everything to the church, get up and walk out. That's not what God is telling you. He struck them because they lied to the Holy Spirit. They wanted to pass themselves off as being spiritual when they were carnal. You understand? You give to God what belongs to God. You honor God with your finances as God leads you. He looked at your heart. But our worship should never be built on experience or emotions alone. For God is a God of decency and order. 
not of confusion. He's a God of peace, 1 Corinthians 14, 33. So you have to be careful with your emotions. Doesn't mean that you can't have emotions when you worship. But you don't want to base your worship simply on emotionalism, okay? Because then you feel if you don't get feeling or goosebumps or cry, then God's not there. No, 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 no. You walk by faith, not by sight, all right? And you worship according to Scripture, Nothing beyond Scripture. Nothing added to Scripture. Very important. David's carelessness towards God was costly being done in a wrong manner. Now notice thirdly, verses 12 through 23, David's contrition to God. Now David first sought to restore his fellowship with God. The offense of the ark needed to be confessed. The acknowledgement of forgiveness and restored fellowship is here with God. This is the second procession that honors God because it's done according to the scriptures and the people of God are going to receive a blessing. You understand? David then sought the manner of transporting the ark. And um, again, Chronicles 15 3 through 24, First Chronicles tells us the Kohathites, the Merites, the Gershites, they all were there involved. Zadok the priest and Abiathar, and he sought the leaders, and Asaph, the leader of, of, of the Psalms, many of the Psalms, Asaph, and they put the music, uh, he was there, and uh, all the instruments they collected, and, and I mean, this was just a big to-do. You know, it's like having the Marine Corps band, you know, and at D.C., and it's a great inauguration, whatever it is. This is, this is national thing. David knew God had promised to him a place in the, in the scriptures for the ark. And I'm sure that as David was searching and talking to the Levites, Deuteronomy 12, 10 through 11 came up. It says, but when you cross over the Jordan and dwell in the land which the Lord Yahweh your God has given you to inherit, and he gives you rest from all of your enemies around about, so that you dwell in safety, then there will be a place where the Lord Yahweh, your God, chooses to make his name abide. There you shall bring all that I command you, the burnt offerings, the sacrifice, the tithes, the heave offerings with your hands, and all your choice offerings which you vow to the Lord. And he had chosen Jerusalem, the city of David, the city of God. David has just made Jerusalem his capital, remember. In chapter 5, verse 6 through 9. Now, notice the contrition of David resulted in acceptable worship then. Verse 13 through 15. In 13, David offers sacrifice every six paces. Animal sacrifice were the way to approach God, as you know. There were some non-blood sacrifices that were made with hands, but for the most part, blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood, and God gave it to them on the altar to make an atonement for it. Leviticus 17, 11. Book of Hebrews chapter 9 says, Apart from the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Peter tells us that we're saved and forgiven by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You understand? The offerings were an expression of worship here. Now look at 14. David danced before the Lord with all his might with a linen ephod. David also had a royal robe under the ephod, we are told in 1 Chronicles 15, 27. This was an expression of David's love and devotion to God. Now some try to make a case for dancing this way in the church today. But there is nothing in the New Testament that would give us precedent for this. And people say, well, you're quenching the spirit. No, I'm quenching your flesh. I have to find scripture for it. 
Notice that he says that they dance with, before the Lord with all his might. It doesn't tell me he's dancing in the spirit. With all his might. You've got a cultural background, also the Hebrew people. Okay? A little different. I think that if you feel like dancing before the Lord, I think God would honor it. But why would you want to do it in public? If you do it in public, then all our attention is going to be upon you and not upon Jesus. Go home and dance before the Lord. He would, he would enjoy it if it's from your heart. But if you don't do it at home, why would you want to do it here? Oh, I understand. You want to be seen. Okay. And that's the problem with the church today. We think the church is Balaam and Barney's circus. And it isn't. Everything decent in order according to Scripture. Now look at 15. David caused the people of God to rejoice with shouting and sounds of the trumpet. This is just an incredible time. It involved the setting up of the ark, the symbol of the physical dwelling of God in the midst of his people. Now look at 16 through 19. The contrition of David was despised and a source of blessing. In verse 16, David's wife despised him as she saw him through the window, leaping and whirling before the Lord. The last time Michael saw David, as you know, he was fleeing from Saul, her father. He went out the window in 1 Samuel 19, 12. That's the last time. At least that's for the window she saw him. We don't have any record or inclination that he ever made an attempt to see her again. Their marriage was already a little strained, and, and, and all these years have gone, went by, and, and we don't get a record when he was on the run. Did he ever try to? He talked with Jonathan and Samuel, but not Michael. And David had torn her from her husband that Saul had given her away after David was fled, Patiel. And he took her from him as a condition to bringing the monarchy with the northern and the southern kingdom. Michael despised David in her heart, and it's confirmed in 1 Chronicles 15, 29. The relationship had deteriorated completely. The marriage was a marriage of convenience for the kingdom at this point. Notice verse 20 through 23. The contrition of David was denigrated by Michael. In verse 20, David, having finished with the Lord and the people, went home. And David returned home to bless his house only to be mocked by Michael. Michael came out to meet David. Notice she's identified as the daughter of Saul, not the wife of David. The marriage was just by name. Michael said sarcastically, how glorious was the king of Israel today? <laughs> I think the tone is what made it bad. You understand? <laughs> Ladies, be careful of your communication with your husband. I deal with you because it's the context. The husband has that responsibility too. But the attitudes, sometimes it's just emotions. So you have to be careful that you rule by God's word and the spirit, not by emotions. Okay? Talk to the Lord. Again, the flip side is also there with the men. Okay? Notice Michael then insulted David for dancing with the linen ephod. In verse 20, Michael said his public display was indiscreet, mingling with the common people. He says, uncovering yourself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants. See, Michael was all about status, not the people. Michael said his public display was indecent exposure and vulgar 
Listen. As one of the base fellows shamefully uncovers himself. David was not naked. Some commentators say that. He wasn't naked. God would never permit that. He's in the ephod. He has a royal robe on. Look at 21. David reprimanded Michael for her hostile words in the celebration of the Lord. He told Michael, it was before the Lord, Yahweh. He reminded Michael, who, speaking of God, chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, Yahweh, over Israel. And then he concludes by telling Michael, therefore I will play music before the Lord. If you take the first part of 21, omit the middle, and hook the end, this is what he said. So David said to Michael, it was before the Lord, therefore I will play music before the Lord. And the in-between is just a reminder to her that God had chosen him over her father. The relationship's not that good. You understand? Okay. In 22, David told Michael he was not honoring himself and would be honored by others. He would accept that honor. He would abase himself more for the Lord. And I will be even more undignified than this and will be humbled in my sight. So David says, I have no problem being nothing before God. That's a great quality. You understand? He says, but as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken, by them I will be held in honor. He's actually saying, these common folk, they're more spiritual than you, Michael. Wow. Again, she's called the daughter of Saul. Don't miss it. Not the wife of David. And therefore Saul, Michael here, had no children to the day of her death. There would be no chance of any heir associated with Saul at all. The attitude of Michael represents those individuals who would desire to despise your devotion to God. Sometimes they could be Christians. Not always non-believers. Your fervent passion towards God. They say, ah, you know, you, you, you're caught up in this stuff. And it's okay to be religious, but don't get carried away. Your liberty in God. Your joy in God. They don't like it. You're too happy. <laughs> You're too positive. Do you desire Jesus to be the center of your life? Not just Sunday, not just Thursday. Do not be careless then. Seek Jesus daily through prayer, through the Word of God. And if you have left that joy and sense of fellowship of the Spirit because you've drifted or you're compromising, then repent. And turn back to that joyful fellowship that God is just dying to have with you. David's contrition to God resulted in joyful fellowship with God. And so quite a record that we have here as David seeks the ark of God revealing David's treasure here. Through these three points, David's concern for God that was out of a sincere heart. David's carelessness towards God that was costly being done in a wrong manner. And David's contrition to God that resulted in joyful fellowship with God. This is a great lesson for us. This lesson I need to remember every day. Every day. 
You got to give us wisdom. Pastor Xavier Reese, drawing important simple truths about worship through the harrowing experience of David retrieving the ark from our continuing series in the book of 2 Samuel. Now, today's study is simply titled, The Heart of David, and is available upon request for just $4. We can send you a copy on CD when you get in touch. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is, The Heart of David, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And be sure to join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 